Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the only miracle performed by Christ that is recorded in all four Gospels, unless you count the resurrection of Christ. So this miracle is important. It is more than the fact that Christ our Lord showed his almighty power by doing what is beyond our power. He did this miracle near the time of the Passover. St. John the Evangelist is careful to note this. The other gospel writers did not say that it was the Passover when they recorded the feeding of the 5,000. In his gospel, John often went to great lengths to point out the significance of miracles. They were not simply demonstrations of power, but were signs pointing to Christ. So it is also in today's gospel. The original Passover was when death passed over the people of Israel in Egypt. The tenth and worst plague was when the angel of the Lord went through the land of Egypt and killed every firstborn, from the firstborn of Pharaoh on his throne to the firstborn of a lowly maidservant who worked behind a handmill, even to the firstborn of the beasts in the field, all would die. For the Lord went out at midnight through the midst of the land. But the children of Israel were given this instruction and promise by God. Take a male sheep or goat without blemish and slaughter him. Take the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lintel of the houses. Then eat the lamb roasted in fire. If they followed this instruction and promise of the Lord, then he would not visit them to kill their firstborn. He would see the blood and pass over their houses, and that is just what he did. Now, What does this have to do with the feeding of the 5,000? At first glance, nothing at all. But the feeding surely reminded the Jews of the way the Lord fed their forefathers in the wilderness with manna. Just in case they did not get the point, Christ soon after taught them, Most assuredly, I tell you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Christ says that he is the true manna. He is the one who satisfies the hunger of our souls for all eternity. He is the one who both gives the true manna and is the true manna. This is not to say that Moses and the Israelites were eating Christ with the manna in a sacramental way. There is no such statement in Scripture. The sacramental eating in Holy Communion was specifically instituted by Christ in the upper room at the Last Supper. There is no institution in the Old Testament saying, whoever eats the manna is eating the body of the Son of God. Nor should we say that the 5,000 in the Holy Gospel were eating Christ's body sacramentally. Christ does not say that either. What then? By multiplying the loaves and fishes for the 5,000, Christ is saying that he is the provider of all food. From the first food created in Eden for Adam and Eve to the manna in the wilderness, to each time he creates food from the soil by the hand of farmers. Whether by seemingly miraculous or ordinary means, he is the creator of bread. 
More than that, he is saying that he is the true bread, so that by believing in him, you have eternal life. Even more than that, he is saying that he is the Lord of the Passover. He is the one who makes death pass you by, because you have his life. By his blood, you defy death. As Christ is the one who saved ancient Israel, he also has saved you now. Now you are like ancient Israel in the wilderness and like the 5,000. You have followed the Lord who led you out of slavery, although following him sometimes leads to desolate places. You sometimes must sacrifice much in your devotion and dedication to hear Christ teach you. As the crowd followed Christ into the middle of nowhere, so you sometimes find yourselves in strange places and situations because of him. You do not have to be a missionary braving the Amazon rainforest, bringing the gospel to a tribe of natives for you to make sacrifice for the gospel. If only because you dedicate time and energy and offerings to his gospel ministry, you do not live the kind of life you could live. If you had money and time only for your own pleasure and needs, how different your situation would be. But each of you suffers at least a little poverty because of your lives are living sacrifices to Christ and to one another. You put him first, not yourselves. In whatever wilderness he leads you, he will still take care of you. He will not leave you stranded in the middle of nowhere to starve. He has compassion on your weakness since he also knew hunger. Sometimes instead of hunger, it is loneliness or sadness or pain or something else that you must endure for the sake of the gospel. But whatever you suffer, he will see to your need in time. Especially, he feeds you the meal that sustains your spirits. Here in the sacrament of the altar, he feeds you with his very body and blood. When you feel abandoned or isolated, as if you were in the middle of a wilderness, he strengthens you with the reassurance of his body and blood. This meal is no small thing, but it overflows with superabundance of grace. As the 5,000 had 12 baskets left over from five barley loaves and two small fish, so the small wafer and sip of wine you receive are far more than your mind can take in. Here is grace beyond grace, since it is the true body and true blood of the Son of God. It is more than you could need, more than enough for you to continue this earthly journey, whatever wilderness you find yourselves in. And you do need such strength. John makes a point to notice that the men sat down on the grass. With the words of Isaiah 40, you are reminded that all flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. You are not mighty and lasting. You are not in control. You are weak creatures whose lives may end at any moment. As Moses prayed, Lord, you turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. 
In the evening it is cut down and withers. In your powerlessness you are fragile. But good Israelites who sat on the grass that day may also have been reminded that the Lord promised to be a shepherd who makes you to lie down upon green pastures. He is concerned about his flock and knows the particular weaknesses of each individual lamb. He watches you and knows your need. But those who want to be self-sufficient sheep, who proudly take care of themselves, need no shepherd. They need no Christ. They need no Lord over them. Beware lest you find yourself becoming one of those. For those who know their need and depend upon the kindness of their shepherd, he will not disappoint. As for death, he is the lamb who has shed his blood to make it pass over you. Death is conquered and will be utterly destroyed soon enough. As for your needs in this life, he does not want you to grow faint and falter and lose hope. So he is always diligent to keep you in his tender care. It may not feel like it at the time. He may wait to help you when you think you should, he should act immediately. He may give you what you need instead of what you want. In the same way, perhaps some of the people grumbled that Christ did not feed the crowd sooner. Perhaps they complained that he gave them only fish and bread because they wanted something better. He is the son of God, you know, and could, surely could supply filet mignon and lobster tails. But remember that you are sheep, not the wise shepherd. He knows your need as you do not. He understands and sees far more than you. Trust him that he does the right thing at the right time. Now we wait for the Passover. Maundy Thursday comes soon, but even sooner you will have the Holy Communion. The cross and the Eucharist are the Passover that delivers the Lamb of God far better than all the temporary sacrifices of dumb beasts. In these you have a better Passover than the Jews. The blood of God covers you forever. Death is now weaker than you are because you will outlast the grave and burst it open as your Lord did before you. The sweetness of the sacrament is a meal that far outshines the bitter herbs of the Old Testament church. Yet there is some bitterness for you still. You are still in Lent. As long as you are in this corrupted flesh, it will be the season of sorrow and repentance. You still labor under the burden of your own sins. You are still pathetic sinners in the veil of tears, yet you are forgiven in Christ. In the sacrament, your better Passover, you glimpse beyond this present world of decay. You see past the valley of the shadow of death to the greenest pastures, the new heaven and the new earth, which are the inheritance promised to you in Christ. As you eat the food of immortality, you know that you will live forever in the presence of your good shepherd. For the bread is the flesh of the Son of God, and the wine on your lips is a taste of the eternal wedding banquet. You are invited to the banquet by the blood that gives the remission of sins. More than that, you are the glorious bride, prepared to leave your present life of bitterness and enter the bright future of your loving bridegroom. Then he will finally and for all time given you every blessing under heaven.
in his name and to his glory. Amen. And may the peace that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.